You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash Film School. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. My guest is a filmmaker, author, musician. Uh, he has written two books, including Understanding and Understanding Ken, and Shelby has recorded two CDs, Trust and Breathe, and directed three films: Sea Grace Fly, Uganda Rising, and this latest Facing Ali. Facing Ali turns the camera on many of uh, Muhammad Ali's greatest rivals, including Sir Henry Cooper, George Foreman, Joe Frazier, Larry Holmes, Ron Lyle, Ken Norton, George Qualva, Quavalo, Ernie Schaefer, Leon Spinks, and Ernie Terrell. A remarkable documentary shows how Boxing Ali changed the lives of those who stepped into the ring with the greatest. Uh, Facing Ali is available starting today on DVD. Uh, and... Uh, Welcome to uh, Film School, Pete McCormick. It's a real pleasure to be here, Mike. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, just a terrific documentary. I want to uh, start by asking the basic question here is, what drew you to do a documentary, not about Muhammad Ali as much as about the people he he faced off in the ring with? How did you come to this idea? To well, this? actually, uh, Facing Ali is uh, inspired by a book by... Uh, by the same name, uh, by a wonderful Canadian sports writer named uh, Stephen Brent. And he, he interviewed 15 uh, opponents of Ollie's and, and made it into a, into a book. And uh, Derek Murray, the producer uh, in Vancouver, um, uh, got the rights to that book. And, and uh, we knew each other, and, and, and he knew about my, uh, my awareness and my, my uh, childhood uh, affection for Muhammad Ali and how intense that was. And, and also the rest of those boxers, actually. I was sort of a... I just was fascinated by that whole era of boxing. And from there, the question became how to uh, how to make this into a riveting uh, film, which is a totally different experience than a book, because we have to keep uh, it from becoming fragmented uh, over an hour and a half uh, with, with uh, how many bo- whatever number of boxes we use. And that's much different than a book where you can read a chapter and put it down. And you can also, uh, we didn't use a narrator, and you can also counter the... Uh, uh, whatever difficulties you have in the interview with filling in with your own sort of narration as a writer. So we, we had a lot of decisions to make, and we actually used some boxers that weren't used in the book and, and so on. And, mm-hmm. and I, I, we chose for, I, I chose the boxers for different reasons. Okay. Uh, so that's, well, that's maybe we'll get into that a, a little bit. But I sure. want to ask you because uh, uh, one, of the, one of the really f- good things about this documentary is is that you introduce these boxers sort of you could say in a matter of speaking there's a chapter in this in this film about each one of these but but you introduce you keep threading them throughout the 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 the, uh, the documentary you bring in uh, a, a sir henry cooper he and you sort of focus on him and his in his fight with ellie but in the meantime, you bring in other people to comment about Muhammad Ali. So you're constantly weaving in and out of these uh, in the film these different characters. Right. Uh, was that something you had decided you wanted to do at the, before the film got started, or did it just sort of organically evolve as the film? Um, that's a great question. It was it was really important for us to uh, to do that actually by decision beforehand because 
for two reasons. One, that we, we chose, for instance, Henry Cooper is the first guy in the film because he fought Ali in 1963. He's the first guy to fight Ali in the film uh, of, of the still alive that we thought was uh, relevant to push the narrative forward. And he also almost defeated Ali on one level. I mean, he was stopped on with really bad cuts in the fifth round, so he might not have stopped him, but he, he, he really hit Ali with a, a left hook that floored Ali. But at the bell of the fourth round, I mean, if it's oh, in it, the it, middle it, of the round, it might have been a much more difficult situation. One never knows. Ali had a great um, ability to recover, underrated ability to recover. Um, but and as for the weaving in and out throughout, that was a plan within the questions so they could get the boxers who I thought could answer certain areas and questions about different boxers depending on their era and, and what I'd read about them, so I could fill in the blanks. And that also, um, Mike, is a, was a technique to stop the film from being seeming. Too chapter-like, too fragmented. Right. Well, you, when you refer to the book, the book, uh, this, the, the concept, this came from a, from the idea came from a book. This isn't, and you, as you said, this isn't like a book. Like you, you really. Well, go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that's. No, 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 no that's right. Yeah. Exactly correct. It, it, it isn't, and 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 you can you can read one chapter of that book and be very satisfied. And and we had to, uh, and 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 with this one, we also chose. Um, not to do any narration, whereas, of course, you narrate and fill in the gaps in a, in a chapter in a book. Very, It's a great device for a writer. It's very freeing, you know? Yeah. You can write the history. You can write all that stuff. It's not an interview, per se, in, in, a, in a book. Uh, so here we, we, didn't, we chose no narration, so we would really, and we chose to use no other outside sources like, uh, let's say, a biographer of Ali or biographers of any of them or, or Angelo Dundee or Ferdy Pacheco, the people that were in Ali's corner, his trainer and his, and his doctor, and so on. We just wanted the boxers to tell their story, and we thought it would be more compelling and more um, full of heart if they got to tell it, the whole story themselves. Of course, we use things like uh, the chapter headings and... and um, mm-hmm. Uh, the, the cards that we use to explain the fight, or, 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 or even Alley Archive as a form of narration, but it's not narration, you know what I mean? Right. Now, of the boxers that you spoke with, did, were there, were there uh, any of them that were reluctant to talk to you? Did you have to coax any of them into sort of talking about Ali um, in this process? Well, uh, well, it's a great question, I mean, because they're, they're ten different individuals. I mean, overall, I think they were fairly positive. The difficulty was actually getting them pinned down or getting a hold of them or <laughs> getting them to, to do that, you know, um, and, and that was the struggle. And, and, I, and I knew the ten boxes that I wanted. I was really quite solid on them, and even with some disagreements in, uh, with other people about them, perhaps, from, say, the book or stories they'd read in the book, but I thought I, who I needed to make the film have a strong narrative, and Derek Murray, uh, the producer I worked with, he's a great guy, super talented guy, uh, he, he actually got all ten boxers through pure, uh, you know, Rottweiler <laughs> density. And, and, that's, and I, I can't speak highly enough about how, how wonderful that was for me to, to know that I was getting the ten boxers we wanted. What was funny about that, Mike, was that we were actually already into the editing process of the film. In other words, with our deadlines and so on, uh, with the with the with the um, uh, Lionsgate and, and, and Spike TV and, and just in general of, of our own lives and our contracts and everything else, yeah. um, we still hadn't uh, got nailed down the interview dates with uh, George Foreman and Joe Frazier, who are of course oh, are probably the most important yeah. on some level, uh, uh, at least on some um, symbolic level, um, and. Um, so we were intensely still going there. So after you know two or three weeks into editing, we flew down to uh, to Houston and then across to Philadelphia and did those two interviews as well. So was that um, a, just a logistical thing, or did you did they just could you couldn't get their schedules coordinated, or was it some, well, something I else? Think, 
I think it's it's. It, I think if I could put it in, in a way that I saw it as a slightly slightly outside the process, but also right in the process, uh, as in the discussions of it. Um, um, I, I think every boxer is different. I mean, uh, George Foreman is a truly a corporation unto himself. You know, he sold the rights of his name to the George Foreman Grill Company, whatever <laughs> that is, for one hundred and twenty-seven point five million dollars. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's an eighth of a billion for anybody who knows any math. <laughs> that's a lot of dough. And um, and so so he somewhat to get through to that that situation was its own challenge. Joe um, has his own internal relationship with Ali that he feels about it and whatever he's wants or doesn't want and he and 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 in different levels the boxers have management some have um, a little bit of management some have no management some have a friend you know what i mean depending on yeah. where they're at yeah. what their um what their ability is to to still um have a have a, a place in the in the in the in the, in the Public world, and and so it, it varied that way. Who we were going through to try to explain what we were doing, you know, to try to make it clear that we're, we're this is a serious situation in the sense that we have, uh, you know, two or three cameras. We're coming down with all our stuff. We're not, you know, what we're doing, and and that's never easy to explain to different people with different um, awarenesses and knowledge of of. of the, the filmmaking process. Yeah, so, uh, and, and I, I there's just uh, some remarkable uh, story, remarkable footage in here. Did was there? Uh, did you have any problems getting access to any of the uh, the, the actual fight film itself? Um, How did that process go? Yeah, that, that's a, that's a, uh, you know, it's sort of like this question when someone says, you didn't, your question's great, by the way, but someone says, how much does the house cost? And, you know, you yeah. can from the house. Yeah. And I'll tell you, the, the footage was, um, first of all, it was a really uh, an interesting uh, research uh, situation to decide what footage to be used. And, I, you know, this is, this is going to laugh in the modern era, but one of the greatest tools for us to, to source out um, footage was YouTube. Oh, is that right? I, we, I use it. I use it all the time. Every yeah. single fight that Ali has had that has been filmed, I, 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 I believe, is on YouTube. For instance, oh, that, that's good to know. I got to tell you, uh, going. But I was uh, going to say just about that quickly about yeah. about that thing. So sourcing footage is, is difficult. I mean, there was a couple of things we couldn't get. Um, uh, you know, sometimes working with Don King's people was was challenging to even get a phone call back, and then. And then, and then trying to figure out who owns stuff, and suddenly you find like three people own stuff, and that's always a bit suspicious, you know. Uh, and yeah. Archive is very expensive; it can be as much as, you know, two hundred and fifty dollars a second, let's say. Yeah, I've heard. I, that, I, I remember that years ago we did. I did some uh, work for a, a commercial, and I, I was shocked at how. I much. know it's staggering, isn't it? Yeah. It's like getting hit early in the first round, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and it's funny you say that because and I'll tell you where the biggest problem was was with the IOC with the International Olympic Committee we tried to get um, uh, eight seconds of footage for of Ali the, the, the very very um, famous moment of him lighting the, lighting the flame in, in, in Atlanta yeah and they wanted something like sixty thousand dollars and that was after a lot of negotiations and it was just impossible oh, so can you imagine that that's for eight seconds Mike oh my goodness you're, well, you're like really thanks very much for that um, <laughs> you didn't realize you were a cartel we'll be moving on thank you very much <laughs> We're, we're speaking with uh, Pete McCormick, the uh, director of uh, the new documentary coming out today on DVD, uh, at, uh, Facing Ali. Um, I got to tell you, uh, the, is it, it's the the, uh, the the match. There's just so much information in here. Uh, I mean, I thought I knew a lot about Muhammad Ali. But what you don't know, and what this film really does a great job of, is you don't know about the people he boxed. I mean, he's such a, a dominating, overwhelming figure in so many levels, charisma. Charisma, from his charisma to his athletic ability to his sheer determination, 
Uh, what was just great about this is finding out a little more about the, the boxers that he he did uh, box, and also their stories and about some of the some of the um, under the radar stuff. Now I had no idea. Is it Ernie Terrell that got thumbed in in the eye? Was it Terrell? Have I got that right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had no idea. I, I didn't know anything about that part of the fight. But if Terrell, Ernie Terrell uh, was really taking it to Muhammad Ali in this in this match. And and uh, Ernie's contention is is that Ali was basically in, felt he was in trouble. So during one of the clinches, he he thumbed him in the eye. Well, um, or is that have I got that wrong? No, no, it's very close actually. I, I don't know that Ali, Ernie Terrell was taking it to Ali at that point. He was he was in he was in the fight because that was the first round where he had had a, it had been a good opening round. That was in the second round when that happened. Um, but I, I I would tend to. Uh, I would tend to think that Ali did not thumb him, particularly not intentionally, mm-hmm. because Ali doesn't have a record of that at all in yeah. his fighting fighting career. And 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 um, um, okay. and Terrell, who was a wonderful uh, guy, actually um, was much more. He was sometimes called the octopus. He was known to grab on and hold on and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, but I, the, that he got might have got a thumb in the eye, or that his his, yeah. his his eye got pushed up against the ropes was clearly true because it damaged his eye and. Um, the, 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 what's amazing to me is how resilient boxers are, and they fight the next fourteen rounds with a with a with a damaged eye, or yeah. or or like with a broken jaw, or with yeah. a, whatever they fight. I mean, Larry Holmes fought Michael Spinks later in his career with a broken thumb for you know fifteen rounds. Joe Frazier won the gold medal with a broken thumb. Can you imagine that? I, I sent I, a hangnail puts me out for a couple of weeks. You know, <laughs> so those guys are amazingly durable and and. And, um, and and by the way, Ernie Terrell. Speaking of, yeah, these guys are so interesting of their lives. Ernie Terrell's sister was Jeannie Terrell, and we see in the in the film when, when Ernie sings on the uh, Jack Benny show. Uh, that's his sister behind him to his uh, left. Yeah. But she she actually um, replaced Aunt, uh, Diana Ross for the Supreme Spring. later on. Right, right. No, uh, uh, it's just a, you know again. There's so many little things uh, about that that era. First of all, it's just a fascinating era, and and mm. people. Uh, I mean, Ali was this black hole of, or white white dwarf star, or whatever. It's just this magnetic attraction. People, I I just was so drawn to him and his story. And and but the thing about Terrell, I want to go back to for just a second. Uh, quite a a, a decent uh, a, a musician of sorts. I mean, he a singer. I mean, he a, a, kind of a fascinating guy. Uh, but he, the song that he sang, was that on Jack Parr that he sang that one song? Oh, that was on the Jack Benny show. Jack Benny show. Yeah, yeah. Really kind of, uh, uh, speaking of thumbing somebody in the eye, I mean, this was a, this was a pretty, pretty tough song about Muhammad Ali. <laughs> it was really, it was, um, it was really funny. And, and the story behind that is really, is really wonderful. Um, the, the song for anybody listening is, is about, was it basically said that one of the lines of that, um, Ernie Trell wrote the song, and one of the final lines is, um, Ain't it a shame you changed your name, i.e., Cash Clay to Muhammad Ali, and then the final line is, I'll change your features, too. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that was Ernie Terrell's line. And this was two days before the, uh, the fight with Ali, and, and uh, this is uh, this was in, in, in 67, when Ali was uh, really upset that, that Terrell wasn't, wasn't calling him Muhammad Ali anyway, so there was this thing, and he was calling Terrell an Uncle Tom, and what's my name, an Uncle Tom, yeah. and so on. And so uh, there was a lot of hype, hype to it, but it is not... It is not. It, it's impressive. He sang. He sang well on the uh, Jack Benny show. He could. He was definitely a good musician. Yeah, and yeah, he was. He, he toured. He toured with that the, the the band and with his sister. They were called Ernie Terrell and the Knockouts. Well, there you go. Now, <laughs> now there. Uh, Dave Zirin had a book, book out a few years ago called "What's My Name, Sucker," huh, and right. uh, I believe I thought it was Muhammad Ali's fight against. Uh, 
Floyd Patterson that he, he did, did it there as well. Yeah. He did it as well. Okay, so he did yeah. it both. So what's my name? And as he as he really and took we would it have, and Floyd of course passed away a few years back and and, and, and yeah. suffered some some dementia from the uh, probably from the, the sport. And we would have loved to. Uh, he would have been definitely in that list of people to uh, interview. Well, the, 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 the tragic thing, in a way. Um, with, with with boxing, I mean, it's an incredibly compelling sport. It's also a brutal sport. It's one of its side effects are, are constant concussions, slight concussions, which add up for almost anybody, depending on their propensity and their durability. Literally, with their 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 thickness of the scalp, perhaps who knows who knows what the reasons are that George Chavalo is so clear and and other yeah. boxers suffer in different ways. Yeah. But, um, well, I want to uh, talk a little bit about that because we, I do want to get to Joe Frazier and Ken yeah, Norton yeah, sure. and and and, uh, and George uh, and uh, George Foreman. Uh, but you're right; uh, it's it, in some ways it's heartening to see that some of these boxers uh, in the film are doing okay, doing better than maybe you ex- would expect them to be doing after the years and years of being punished uh, so brutally uh, as this film, as this uh, sport does to people. Um, let's talk a little bit about. Um, Ken Norton, because uh, I recall pretty clearly that Norton was very much underrated as a boxer and really uh, gave Ali as much as he could handle in terms of his ability during those fights. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What what uh, what I didn't know when I first when you when he first comes on screen, I thought he was suffering more of a dementia or some kind of you know damage brain damage, but it turns mm-hmm. out he was in a pretty se- serious car accident. Well, that's right, and, and in some ways, as you know, four of the ten boxers are subtitled, and they're all English-speaking, so that suggests something about the sport already. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the, the idea with Ken Norton, with re- revealing the, 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 the accidents a little bit later, was in fact to work with our preconceived ideas of how we, uh, you know, how we, uh, to say, that, you know, how we picture someone and what we think of them, and I, I, the assumption w- was meant to be that you would think that it's from boxing, this problem, because we've seen it all along, and a lot, of the, a lot of the film was about trying to break stereotypes. What does it mean to be a boxer? Why does somebody box? What is boxing all about? And, and, and with Ken Norton, we, 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 after what we've seen in the film already, we, we tend to assume that he has um, yeah. been damaged by boxing. Whether he has been damaged by boxing is another question. Right. But the, the car accident is, is so brutal. But, but as back to the idea of uh, back to the, what you said about Norton and Ali, Norton's style gave Ali all kinds of trouble. <laughs> Yeah, as, as George Foreman said in the film, I don't think uh, Ali, because they fought three times, by the way, yeah. I don't think um, uh, Ali ever beat Norton. And, and Ernie Shavers said something interesting as well. Ernie Shavers said um, Norton didn't like to be in there with the punchers so much. In fact, Ernie Shavers knocked Ken Norton out in the first round. And, and, as the, and you know, George Foreman knocked him out in the second round. And, in fact, um, Jerry Cooney uh, knocked him out in the first round. It was, uh, yeah. it was Norton's last fight. But against the fighters like Larry Holmes and Ali, he gave them as... as uh, Ernie Shaver said he gave them both wars, and that's very true. And yeah, yeah. Well, he was and a good athlete it, in Norton as well. Yeah, that's the thing. He was an athletic man, uh, much more than I would uh, that I would say about uh, even a George Foreman. Uh, they, they they were more, uh, I'd say, lumbering and may, maybe uh, not too kind to them, but they were they were prodding kind of uh, uh, boxers. Where a guy like uh, uh, Norton tended to be like Ali, more of an athlete to me. Well, you know, there's, there, there's in Illinois, there, we, we, we actually interviewed um, Ken in his hometown in Jacksonville, Illinois, and there's a rule called the Norton Rule in high school where you can't enter, if you're a great athlete, to, to a, more than a certain amount of events because he answered 
seven one year as a high school student, one six, and came second in the seventh or something. It's actually called the Norton Rule. Oh, but he was a great, great uh, athlete for sure. Well, uh, I uh, in, 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 in again, in this film facing LA is not just about boxing. We're, we're talking a lot about the boxing here, but it's it's about their stories and about how the impact it had on the lives of these different boxers. Uh, uh, how it changed your lives uh, for the better, and some, uh, and not as much. Um, I want to get to Joe Frazier, hmm. Smoking Joe, Joe and as one of the, I, I think it was uh, George Foreman who says, if Ellie had to do it again, I think he should, he he would probably be a little nicer to Joe Frazier. Uh, and, and one on points, I think his point was there. George's George Foreman's point was that um, for all Ali's um, uh, gamesmanship and his uh, his verbal. Um, um, playing and attacks and so on that against some people they probably psyched them out against Joe Frazier just made him um, more angry and yeah. refused uh, the only thing that stopped Joe Frazier would be in a fight against Ali would be virtually death in the, in, in the thrill in Manila in, in uh, 1975 that was stopped by uh, his trainer Eddie Futch um, but uh, yeah. he wouldn't stop. And he, at that point, he couldn't see. He, he was already um, blind, legally blind in his left eye, which he'd been for his whole career, I, I think, if I remember correctly. And then, and, and his right eye was swollen shot, shot from the fight. So he didn't, still didn't want to stop. So when a guy can't see and he's still willing to fight, you know that he means business. He means business, and and it's truly, uh, you know, if I if I could go back in time and 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 and, and had the power to say to Muhammad Ali. Stop! Stop right yeah, yeah. now! This is it. This is the pinnacle. You have you have boxed as well as any human being can. can. You have you have you have vanquished a an, a, a, a a very determined foe, a man who, like you said, and I think this is true. Even at the time, I felt that way. That Joe Frazier would die in that ring if he had to in order to beat Muhammad Ali. I agree, and I think you're right, and that, that, that is definitely the moment that he would have been a wonderful time to retire. In fact, if you want my opinion about it, um, Mike, uh, I guess why I'm here, too, huh? <laughs> but, um, um, <laughs> but I, you know, Ali, uh, Ali, in my opinion, with that fight, Ali, um, Joe Frazier, was, the, both fighters were not what they had been, right. but Ali still had more left. He was only a year and some past his victory against uh, George George Foreman, and and the truth of the matter is he didn't train hard enough for that fight. You can read in the reports there was all kinds of problems going on in his in his personal life that were coming out um, uh, heavily and and so on. And he was and he was enjoying the people uh, around him, uh, and he was uh, he was staying at the the palace in in the, in, in uh, Manila. Um, meanwhile, um, Joe Frazier was uh, cloistered away out of town training relentlessly so i would say that one of the big problems with that fight uh and it could have been a a shorter fight had howie been in the same kind of shape he was in when he fought george foreman but he'd stopped training hard enough and there's no and there's no way a boxer cannot you know boxing is not like ice hockey even or uh, like hockey or, or football an off day means you get hammered but uh by a check or you're not on you're not on your game or something but boxing is, is a different sport altogether and if you if you if someone with ali who's hold his whole style is based on speed. When you're losing a step by age and then not training hard enough, you're going to get in trouble. I yeah, mean. yeah. Well, it is a testament to what a gifted athlete and a, and a tactician he was as a boxer, and, That's and right, his, yeah. just his sheer ability that he was able to fight uh, off uh, uh, Joe Frazier. And I, I, and with the few minutes we have remaining here, I mean, I, I just think those th- those are the, among the the great. I'm not a huge boxing fan. I'll, I'll be honest. I I, I generally don't. 
care for it that much. But mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali, to me, was such a, uh, a, a the kind of person that you invest in just more than just him being a, a boxer. He was somebody who represented a, a, a particular mindset, a, a sensibility, a political perspective, and he put so much of that um, on the line. He 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 did, in fact, jeopardize his career and his life in many ways and i was uh, watching him was not like watching other boxers for me i, I think i would i, I would agree 100% i mean it's always it's often argued what it meant ali's boasting how 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 politically astute he was and all kinds of things but when he was in the early 60s even yelling i am the greatest and i'm pretty and i'm all these things people think it was one one step boasting and for, perhaps for ali it was all that let's just say it was that okay. it still had a huge effect on a, on, a, on a people who are trying to get equal rights in a country, who are not thinking of themselves as beautiful, who are not thought to be as beautiful, and, and their own self-confidence in that situation. When Ali said, I am the greatest, he was also saying, you are the greatest. And people want to deny that, that fact. But we, but we all know that uh, everybody gets behind certain teams. When, when, the, when, the, when if, you're living, if you live in Los Angeles and the Lakers are doing well, you feel enthused and as if that's personal. Yeah. Can you imagine what it meant when a, a young kid, a young black guy from Louisville, Kentucky, gets up and says in front of the white world, um, I am the greatest, I'm pretty, I'm all these things, as loud as he can. Of course it had an influence, a massive influence on confidence. And anybody that denies that doesn't understand the subtleties of being human. <laughs> uh, they really don't. No. And then, of course, uh, you know, his stance against Vietnam, yeah. which is all kinds of details to it, of course, and political details and the reasons why. But he, he said no, and he, and he threw away three and a half years of his career at the Definitely at the peak of his oh, career, yeah. Oh, yeah. and and he um, and that he suffered later because of it. Because you can't lose three and a half years as an athlete and come back. Uh, in, in boxing, especially Ali's style, which was unorthodox, he moved backwards instead of side to side. So every every split second of timing yeah. was necessary. And, and and you could see against Sonny Liston how how fast he was. He would get he would miss him by a quarter of an inch on all kinds of bobbing and weaving, you know, and. Yeah. With something else. Oh, there was some. Th- there were some punches thrown by Frazier that would have. I mean, it would have knocked your head off. And he, the way he would weave and bob, and just the ability to just miss. I, I was always. I mean, it's a. It's a great skill that all good boxers possess. But Ali, for me, watching him as not the expert on boxing, uh, it, to watch his ability to to sidestep these these vicious vicious punches mm-hmm. was just remarkable. Well, uh, indeed, and that's, that's a twofold. That's a twofold uh, skill and problem. One, one, the one ability was his ability to avoid those punches. The ir- irony is that he actually had a an, 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 uh, very great ability to take a punch as well, yeah. and that, of course, adds up. It's you know as it, when you see it, the boxer be not senseless in a fight. You see that for almost all the fighters. You can see it everywhere. Um, but with Ali, he was actually. Barely, if ever, in that position. Mm-hmm. After all those fights, even though he was stopped by only once by Larry Holmes, they stopped in the tenth round. He was sitting on a stool. They didn't get knocked out. He had an in- incredible ability to take a punch and to recover and to fake as well. Even even his instincts to to pretend he wasn't hurt against Larry Holmes were evident in the last shot in the film that we use. He's actually wiggling his hips as if to say, "I'm not hurt at all." Yeah. Same thing he did against Ernie Shavers. But of course, every time Ali did that that fake, he had been hit, and then he was compensating with faking to to psych out the opponent. Yeah. That's an incredible ability to fake anything. When I, when I get hit in the jaw, it's pretty much lights out, you know. <laughs> so well, so I, that, 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 I, yeah. that that caused that cost him later in his life, of course. Yeah. Is after after the George after the Joe Frazier fight, Mike he fought another I think ten or twelve fights, yeah. another I think one hundred and twenty rounds. 
uh, ten of those ten of those twelve fights. If I, I could get my stats wrong, but I think ten of the twelve were fifth, uh, you know full 15. distance fights. Yeah. Yeah, they too were. many punches. Yeah, and in in the film, you start you you begin to see you're seeing the the beginning of the decline of Muhammad Ali, and um, it, it's you know, it just tears your heart out. I, I just I, I he, to me he is a hero. He is one of my heroes. I don't think of myself as having that many people that in my life that I look at and I say that that's somebody I I I truly look up to and 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 would love to have known uh, personally, and he's one of them. Well, you know, you can feel the effects he had on us. I was, I was ten, I was nine when he fought George Foreman, and by then he'd been so mythologized and he was so thought to be so great. And to win that fight when he wasn't expected to, it was a great thing. After that fight, though, as I'm just a very, very young kid uh, from 1975 on, when he could no longer get his punches off the same way and so on, it was quite traumatic for me watching. Like I was, it was yeah. like when you realize your dad hasn't got all the answers to every yeah. question. Yeah, you know, it was like, painful. Wait a second, you're Ken Norton. You, you'll get him in the 13th round, right? 14th yeah. round. <laughs> <laughs> he just lost that ability, and you can see how how mythologized he'd been before then, because he, he was considered sort of, uh, as Ron Lyle said, a step ahead of the pack. And yeah. then when he came back, he was a step ahead of the pack, and and and, and all those other boxers contributed so wonderfully to to this incredible career. And they had and they had fantastic careers in their own right. I mean, that's what the film was about. People say it's called Facing Ali, but it's really about ten guys. Who uh, who fought him, and then this encompasses perhaps what it means at the higher echelons to be uh, a great boxer, and, and, and what it means to box, and the tragedy of boxing, and the, the compelling nature of boxing. And I really wanted to, and I was very fortunate to have the chance that, to to do that with a with the, with the, with these great boxers and the great crew that I worked with. You you did, and you've put together a fantastic documentary. Um, it's facing Ali. Uh, it comes out today. DVD, Lionsgate. You can go online, check it out, buy it. I'm not supposed to say that, but I'm saying it. All right, buy it. And uh, and and also, uh, uh, you continue to work, and you're going to do some more films, uh, Pete McCormick. Yeah, I've been working on a whole bunch of ideas for things that I'd like to do, and, and I have uh, my second novel about a ten-year-old kid, a uh, uh, hockey-playing fanatical kid, going through a divorce with his family, and I'd like to make that into a film. And, and uh, is that the is that Chase? That's the Ken. Uh, the uh, that's understanding Ken. Understanding yeah. Ken. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just—I love making film, and I love—I love documentary. I love hearing the stories of people. It just—it fascinates me to no end, and and uh, trying to put that together is a is a is a, is a very fortunate way to, to try and make a living. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, author, musician, filmmaker. Pete McCormick, and the film is Facing Ali. Thank you. So I could talk to you for another hour. I'm sorry. We've got to go. Uh, thank you so much for being here on Film School. It's a pleasure, Mike. Thanks a million, okay? Hey, take care. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. To learn more about Film School, listen to more interviews, or subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at KUCI.org slash filmschool.